Hello and welcome back to Three Things with JR, episode 114. We are into season four of this show. It's crazy that it's been going on this long. Uh, Almost three entire years of doing a podcast, getting into our fourth year. Wow. Uh, And it's been fun. I am enjoying making the show. I hope you're enjoying listening to the show. Uh, I'm in a weird mood here today. Like, uh, after work, uh, it was a good day at work, really good day. More on that in a minute. Uh, but after work, I stopped by Kroger and, uh, walking around. I didn't, I had a few things I needed to get at the grocery store. Didn't really have much of a plan other than getting those few things, walked around, grabbed a few extra things. And I was sort of just in a daze. Uh, you know, I wasn't super present, uh, I was, uh, I, for example, uh, there's a Starbucks in my Kroger. I stopped at the Starbucks, ordered my stuff, and then I'm kind of just looking at my phone, waiting for my stuff to come. Uh, a guy orders after me, and his stuff comes, and I look up, and I go, oh, there's a cup there. And I was like, is that my chai tea latte? And the guy at the Starbucks says, yep, yep, it's been ready for a few minutes now. I mean, I didn't even know that I had been standing there for a few minutes, so uh, lost time, just gone. Then I get over in line at the uh, self-checkout and I'm standing there again. I'm kind of just, I'm not even really looking at my phone this time. I'm just sort of standing there thinking whatever. And uh, the lady calls over and says, hey, no, register number nine's open. And I had, you know, didn't even notice. Uh, I had been standing in line waiting for one to open up and just didn't even see it. Normally, I'm right there. I'm on it. Uh, but just sort of in a daze. I think that's because today at work was different than most other days of the past few months at work. Uh, and uh, I think a little bit more mentally taxing. Uh, so yeah, more on that here in thing number one coming up. Um, what else is going on? Uh, last night, uh, fed the dogs the normal way, the normal food, the same food we've been feeding them for a while. Uh, about an hour later, or maybe even a little less, my dog Scherzer, as I'm sitting here at my desk where I'm sitting right now, I look to my left about 10 feet away. Scherzer barfs up every single bit of food that he ate and then some. The pile of barf on the kitchen floor was bigger than the pile of food I just gave him. So I figure he must have found something to eat uh, out in the yard, running around when we got home before he came inside. He must have found something interesting uh, that he couldn't resist, and it must not have agreed with him because... There were two separate piles of of barf, uh, and uh, I mean, I am almost gagging just thinking about it. I hope you uh, don't start gagging just from hearing words, but uh, I have to live with the sight of it, the smell of it, watching it come out of Scherzer's mouth, the sound of a dog barfing, not all that pleasant, uh, and, uh, and then he barfed a second time. Uh, and I, I don't deal with it very well. Uh, I am very, very cool with most things that many people find disgusting. Uh, my girlfriend Kiki, not into babies, uh, has never changed a baby's diaper and has no plans to ever change a baby's diaper, finds that disgusting. Uh, she cleaned the dog barf up last night like it was no problem at all. If I got anywhere near it, I immediately uh, had heavy duty gag reflex going on seeing I had to block my eyes from it I had to plug my nose 
uh, I was about to clean it up because I, I, you can't just leave barf sitting on the floor. But uh, Kiki was busy doing something in the back of the house. She came out right at the last second and totally saved the day and uh, was baffled at how much of a sissy boy I am when it comes to dog barf. Uh, and how, how can I change baby's diapers without a problem? They don't gross me out, but I can't deal with dog barf. It's a totally different thing. Uh, I can't explain it myself. Um, but, uh, I've changed hundreds, maybe thousands of baby diapers and, uh, have no problem doing that. I've even changed adult diapers, uh, from, uh, when Angela's dad was, uh, in his last few months of life, you know, he needed all the help he could get. And I dealt with that without a problem. Uh, but dog barf can't do it. Uh, so so glad for Kiki that she can. <laughs> uh, anyway, that's normally like a thing three number, a thing number three thing. Uh, but I've got a better thing number three. So let's let's get into the things. Thing number one. Today was a different day of work than I am used to. And it was different for a, a, a few big reasons. Uh, I, I train people at Crutchfield to sell stereos uh, on the phones in our call center. And that's what I've been doing now for man, like 16 years, something like that. Uh, for most of those years, uh, that job would involve bringing in new sales advisors into my training room, and I would be in the room with them, training them, you know, like a teacher with students at their desks, uh, using computers and live in-person training. Takes about three months each time we do a training class. Been doing that for many, many years. All of that changed with the pandemic. So it's been three years since that happened. And uh, to, to facilitate training during the, the pandemic, we did it all remotely using Microsoft Teams. Every person, uh, new advisors that were hired would, would get, come to Crutchfield, grab their new computer, take it home, set up their work, their desk at home, and train. they would train remotely. So I would be sitting in my office at Crutchfield all alone in the basement of Crutchfield, looking at a computer screen, talking to 10, 12 other people, teaching them how to sell stereos. So the same job being done very differently for the, pan for the pandemic to keep everybody safe. Uh, we adapted. It was weird at first, but then we sort of settled into a pretty nice rhythm where we kind of liked this remote training thing. Uh, it's kind of nice to just sit in the room by yourself. And if you turn your camera off, nobody can see what you're doing. Uh, when you turn your camera on, you're on and it's, it's the same job, but it's different because you're not surrounded by people. And, uh, we are now to the point where we, you know, are asking train the new advisors to come into the office. Uh, and we're once again doing live in-person training. Uh, and I've been pretty excited about it for a while now. It's been I've known it's coming for a few months. It's been uh, you know we've been setting up a new training room and enhancing it with new gear, and it's uh, it's something I've been looking forward to big time. We're sort of also combining the concept of remote training with live in-person training. So we have two contact centers, and we have a class in Southwest Virginia and a class in Charlottesville. We used to completely train them separately, but now that we know we can train people anywhere, we are we we have two trainers, one in Southwest plus me in Charlottesville and we're both 
live in our physical rooms with physical people, but we're also remotely joined over the internet using Microsoft Teams. So we're kind of combining what we have been doing uh, throughout the pandemic with remote training with what we used to do, live in-person training. And it's a hybrid, and a, today was the first day of that. And it went really well. I mean, the that's not really, really what I'm here to tell you about uh, exactly. Uh, it went well. It was awesome. Uh, everything we'd hoped it would be, new challenges that we weren't expecting. Some, you know, some some of the benefits of all in-person training are there, but not all of them. Some of the benefits of all remote training are there, but not all of them. It's just a weird mix. It's a slightly new version of doing the same job I've been doing for a long time. And uh, we are continuing to adapt and innovate and stuff like that. It's been great. It was awesome. Day one is uh, is uh, inspirational, really. But leading up to day one was weird. Uh, I, I, I'm not typically one to get very nervous about things, right? I regularly perform. I do this podcast. I play music in the band. Uh, I get up and do stand-up comedy. Uh, I get on stage. I sing and dance and act. And none of that gives me, like, certainly I feel pressure to do well. Uh, and, but it's not really like, I'm not nervous. I'm not scared to go out on that stage and do those things. <laughs> the more prepared to do those things I am, the more comfortable and ready to do them I feel. So, uh, I certainly feel comfortable, knowledgeable, and equipped to do this job at Crutchfield, but to, there was something different about today. I think it's the fact that uh, we were combining all of this new and old sort of way of doing things into something that was a little bit unknown. And so I, I don't know that I felt as fully prepared as I actually was. Uh, and the way that I know that it was affecting me is because it's been a long time since I've had work dreams. You know, work dreams where your your job and the stress of your job, you know, infiltrates your sleep and gets in there and you have very realistic work dreams where things aren't going right. I've had work dreams. I had work dreams when I first started at Crutchfield. Uh, and uh, it, it was crazy. Like back then, 1996, I started at Crutchfield in June. Uh, I finished training in August uh, and I was a fully commissioned salesperson, uh, learning the ropes, learning how to communicate and sell things to people. Uh, how to ask good questions, recommend products, and then ultimately ask someone to buy something, right? Which is not something everybody can do, but I have a, I have that skill. I have no problem asking people for their money uh, if I think it's worth it. But uh, this was a whole new thing, and uh, I, I was learning in 1996. In September of 1996, my daughter was born. And so fast forward a few months uh, I am th in the thick of this new job, really getting comfortable asking for money and selling things. And there was a lot of talk about, you know, asking for their credit card information, right? That's a thing you have to do on these sales calls. And this is what infiltrated my night dreams. Uh, there was a night where, oh, back then I, I did some sleepwalking apparently too. Uh, so our daughter, Allison was asleep in her bedroom. Uh, Angela was asleep in the bed next to me. Uh, and she started, the, the baby started crying. I got up, I went into the bedroom. I got Allison out of her crib. I went back into our bedroom to give her to Angela so that she could nurse her in the middle of the night. This was a regular occurrence, but this particular time I did not wake up. 
Uh, all of that happened while I was 100% asleep. And when I got to the bedside to hand Allison to Angela, Angela uh, looked at me and said, Adam, give me the baby. And I was like, no, I can't. What? What do you mean? Give me the baby. No, I can't. Why not? What is wrong? I said, she won't give me your credit card number. And Angela had to get out of bed, kind of gently take Allison out of my arms and wake me up kind of all at the same time. Uh, no harm, no foul. Nothing bad happened as a result of this other than Angela. I don't think she relied on me to go get Allison in the middle of the night anymore. But uh, because I totally slept, walked, sleepwalked, slept, walked. I don't know. Past tense of sleepwalk. Uh, I totally walked in my sleep picked up our baby and brought her to Angela. Uh, but uh, somehow I thought she was a customer I needed to get a credit card from. Uh, and uh, I've, you know, the, that's the, that's the type of work dreams I used to have. Haven't had anything like that in many, many years. But last night, Sunday night, leading up into a, a brand new work thing on Monday, uh, I went to bed a little earlier than normal. I was prepared and I got up a little earlier than normal, but I had a very fitful night of sleep and my dreams kept waking me up. And in my dreams, uh, they, it was it was like I was at work in my new training room with my new trainees, with my new Microsoft Teams computers and microphones and cameras, and things were not going well. I wasn't eloquent in my speech. I wasn't delivering training very well. The technology wasn't working. People were annoyed. Uh, and it just, uh, that would happen in a dream. And then I would wake up, realize what was just happening, go back to sleep. I have no problem going back to sleep and have another one. I, I think I woke up four, five, six times like that, having those types of dreams. And each time I would wake up, I was that Man, I'm glad that was just a dream. I really hope tomorrow goes well, and then I go back to sleep, and then it would happen again. Uh, it was crazy. I've 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 never had that fitful of a night of sleep for that reason uh, ever that I can remember. I mean, normally I sleepwalk through these things apparently, but this one kept waking me up. Uh, the good news is, is I got to work plenty early uh, and got everything up and running. Everybody showed up. And we had a wonderful day of training. None of the stuff I had dreams about happened. It was a, a perfectly executed day, first day of training uh, with all the new technology and all the new people. So I'm happy to report it worked out well, but uh, apparently I was stressed out about it. I didn't feel like I was, but I think there's evidence to show that I actually was. So, uh, but I think just being prepared got me through, got us through all of that. I keep saying me. Uh, I don't want to overshadow the fact that I, there's another trainer, Chris Mullins, who's down in, he's been on this show before uh, in the past. Uh, I've had him on in season two. If you go way back and listen to those, uh, he's a good guy. Uh, him and I shared a lot of similar things uh, and we're both pretty damn good at our job. And uh, so it's not just me training these people, but it is just my podcast. So I'm just telling you how it affected me. Haven't had a chance to talk to Chris yet. I know he takes his job very seriously and it affects him in, in you know, emotional and physical ways as well. So I don't typically have that as a thing, but it definitely happened. Uh, and happy to report it all went well. We'll be right back with thing number two. Ooh. 
All right, we're back. Let's do it. Thing number two. Thing number two, I typically tell you what's going on with me as far as what I'm what type of entertainment is got me motivated, got me moved, uh, what I'm thinking about. Uh, and it's often new stuff, right? Discover, uh, Discover Weekly on Spotify is often a source for new songs I hadn't considered before, but that's not what's happening here. What's happening here is that I want to tell you about a life-changing musical experience I had as a kid. Uh, it, was, uh, it was back in the 80s, the late 80s, when Guns N' Roses came on the scene. Uh, it all happened in the summer, so wasn't surrounded by my classmates, my friends. Uh, I, I, I remember being in Iowa with my dad watching uh, MTV at my grandmother's house in Emmitsburg, Iowa, and the video for Sweet Child of Mine came on, and I was mesmerized. Up until that point in my life, I don't think I, there was any direction for what music I liked. You know, I was uh, not that old, uh, early teens. And I, I didn't, if you'd asked me what kind of music do you like, I don't think I could have given you an answer. Uh, rock, country, pop, I didn't know. Uh, but then I knew. Uh, when Guns N' Roses, when I first heard those guitars uh, and drums and Axl Rose's voice, I knew something was different about this music, and I had to hear more. I watched that video every... I watched MTV for that video, uh, hoping it would come on, and it was a big deal when it came out, so they played it a bunch. Uh, and then I heard Welcome to the Jungle. If you've heard those two Guns N' Roses songs, they're very different. Uh, you might think it was not a hard rock band when you're listening to Sweet Child of Mine uh, because that song isn't super hard. It's more of a ballad, and it's sweet, and it's loving, and it's nice. Welcome to the Jungle is crazy in comparison. Uh, and the video for that song also got me going, and I realized, hold on, this, this is what I like. Uh, this is the music for me. Uh, I went out and bought Appetite for Destruction on vinyl, uh, and I pretty much played that vinyl out uh, on on the cheap stereo system I had purchased for myself uh, as a teenager uh, with money I earned working for my dad. Uh, that's how I spent it. And uh, I, I mean, I listened to every single second of Appetite for Destruction thousands of times. Uh, that noise you're hearing in the background is my dog. It's just part of the show. Uh, and what what I've always thought about Guns N' Roses uh, then and since is that you know they came out at a at a time when hair metal hair bands were a big thing. Dudes wearing leather and spandex and crazy past uh, neon colors and David Lee Roth and Warrant and Poison and bands like that. Um, all of those bands to me seemed fake, like they were created by the record company. They seemed corporate. They seemed like they weren't writing their own songs and singing genuinely from the heart. Whereas Guns N' Roses often got lumped in with those hair metal bands. And if you look at Axl Rose's hair in the, in the Welcome to the Jungle uh, video, you would think, oh yeah, he's just like those other bands, but they're not. There was absolutely something different about Appetite for Destruction that was genuine and real compared to the hair metal of the time. Uh, so they, I thought they were a cut above and a type of music I had not really listened to before, but man, loved it. Uh, a, a year or two later, Guns N' Roses' second album came out, Guns N' Roses' 
lies with four songs that were live, uh, high energy electric songs that they were, they had apparently had a, a wonderful live show at that time playing clubs in LA and places like that. Uh, but the second half of lies, or if you had the vinyl, the second side of lies was four acoustic songs. Uh, and, I loved that album just as much as Appetite for Destruction. Also played it out. Loved the vinyl. Had the vinyl. I mean, I was I read every word of the fake news articles that they had on the uh, Lies cover, uh, the Lies album cover. Uh, I, I mean, I was just all about anything and everything Guns N' Roses at that time. Uh, and that's when I found out who I was musically speaking. Uh, like, if, if we were if we were talking about the five albums you would have need to have forever. Uh, on a deserted island, Appetite for Destruction and Lies would both be on my list of five. Uh, I wouldn't want to live without that music in the world. Uh, so, after those two albums, it all changed. <clears throat> there was a lot of anticipation for the next Guns N' Roses albums. Use Your Illusion 1 and Use Your Illusion 2. Both came out. Uh, I went and bought them on cassette. I didn't buy them on vinyl for some strange reason. I was driving at that point, so I probably didn't think uh, I'd care that much about listening to records as opposed to tapes. Tapes were the main thing. Uh, but I bought them both and immediately listened to them both many, many, many times. Uh, and it was just something was different about Guns N' Roses at that point. Um, they had a different drummer. I could tell. Even back then, I could tell that I didn't like the drumming as much. Matt Sorum's a great drummer, but I liked Steven Adler's drumming better. Uh, they sounded like, oh man, some somebody, some record exec got a hold of them. At the same time, they were also saying crazy things in some of those songs. So I don't know that the record execs completely got a hold of them, but it was more polished, slightly less genuine. And uh, I, just for me, it didn't grab me anymore. Uh, I slowly started fading away from new Guns N' Roses music. There were great songs on those albums. Don't get me wrong. November Rain is fantastic. But for the, uh, uh, those albums on a whole, uh, I, I don't even remember most of the other songs on Use Your Illusion 1 or 2. Um, they just weren't my thing. Uh, and it was uh, totally bummed me out uh, that Guns N' Roses wasn't keeping up with what I thought they should be doing as a band. Uh, then they came out with uh, a song from uh, a soundtrack from a movie, and they had another one-off song where their songs appeared on other albums. They did a song called Civil War. I kind of liked that song. Uh, they did a so they did their own version of Knocking on Heaven's Door. Uh, loved their version of that song. I was still into it. I was still a fan, uh, but Use Your Illusion 1 and 2 didn't really do much for me. Uh, and then I remember... Being about 20, 19, 20, something like that, when the spaghetti incident came out. And that was kind of the last straw. I was super excited there was a new Guns N' Roses album coming out. Uh, living in the Charlottesville area, I went to Plan 9 Records uh, on the day it was released, grabbed the new, I had it on a CD at this point because I now had the ability to play CDs. It was back then, by the way. Uh, and listened to the spaghetti incident and was basically horrified uh, that this was, was this even the same band? Because uh, none of that was even listenable as far as I was concerned. Um, but they were, they were doing covers uh, of a bunch of other punk rock songs that they liked, um, but I did not like how they did them, and that was not my jam as far as music goes. And 
That's literally the last Guns N' Roses music I purchased. Uh, the the band kind of split up. Slash did his own thing. Uh, he's been in several other bands. Still a big Slash fan. But Axl Rose just went off the deep end, went crazy, and spent 20 years creating Chinese democracy. I've never listened to it. Couldn't care less. Don't want to hear it. Uh, the, 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 the craziest part about this for me, uh, and I don't really have a point here. I'm just telling you about Guns N' Roses and their effect on my life. It was profound when it first happened. Life-changing, musically speaking. Uh, and then a bummer after that. But uh, many, many years later, my dad and I were in New York City. Uh, this was somewhere in the neighborhood of 10 years ago, 12, 13 years ago, something like that. Uh, we were... We were there to do an estimate on a painting job. My dad's a painter, paints houses and apartments for rich people. And one of his clients had a, uh, an apartment uh, on, on central, right on Central Park South. And uh, so we went up for a few days, did an estimate. And while we were there, we went out to a club just off of Times Square uh, where they had five bands for five bucks. And we went in and hung out. Uh, all five bands were great. One of them was called November Rain. And they they basically did a Guns N' Roses experience. They were a tribute band. Uh, and they looked the part, even though they were dressing up in costumes. Uh, they didn't actually look like Axel and Slash and Duff and Izzy and Steven, but they dressed up like them. And they, they basically looked like them. And they definitely sounded like them. I saw Guns N' Roses play live when they released Use Your Illusion 1 and 2. Uh, it was on a big tour. This was like the second or first show of the tour. They was them and Metallica and Faith No More. This was in 1992. And I was severely disappointed because their live show was uh, a shambles as far as I was concerned. Axl Rose kept leaving the stage for some unknown reason. The band would just have to sit and jam until he came back. I saw them live. I was disappointed. I left before it was over in 1992. Fast forward to like 2006 or whatever it was and uh, November Rain at a club in Times Square for five bucks put on the Guns N' Roses concert I had wanted at RFK Stadium in 1992. They played all the songs and they played them just like they sound on the album, which is what you want from a tribute band. Uh, and they they were fantastic. I finally got my Guns N' Roses experience so many years after discovering them. But uh, yeah, it wasn't Guns N' Roses. It was November Rain. And uh, those guys were amazing. Uh, so if they're still around playing music anywhere, check them out. Because they're the better Guns N' Roses than Guns N' Roses was. And that was thing number two. Thing number three. So one of the one of the benefits of training people remotely these last few years is that when I uh, when I'm sitting there in my office, I'm all by myself, and if I need to, I don't know, pick my nose or blow my nose or something like that, all I got to do is turn my camera off, and none of the trainees can see me. I can I do that for a minute or two. I take care of uh, whatever I got to do and. Turn the camera back on, and it's great. Today, couldn't do that. First day at work in a long time that I couldn't clean out the old nostrils. Uh, and uh, I I paid the price. Uh, at the end of the day, once everybody had gone, and I'm sort of sitting there wrapping things up, uh, I started digging, and wow, man, nose full of boogers. Uh, and uh, boy, it was nice to get them all out of there. But that's, that's one of the... 
it's one of the perks of remote work that I we, we're losing as we're bringing people back into the office, and uh, it's just. I noticed that, and it's uh, I'm gonna have to do better. I'm gonna have to go go to the bathroom a couple times throughout the day or something, just to get the boogers out the nose, uh, because I've gotten used to that, and so I sneeze more when I don't blow my nose, things like that. Anyway, that's the dumbest thing three I could think of, uh, and uh, it hit me as I was uh, you know wrapping up the day that uh, I hadn't picked my nose all day, and now I can uh, when nobody can see me, although. You all know now, so it doesn't matter. I mean, uh, I actually brought this up with the class. I, I said, this will be different. Uh, I can't pick my nose in front of you guys because I can't turn my camera off. And they're like, ah, whatever, pick your nose anyway. Who cares? Uh, and I think they meant it. So I don't know. Should I try picking my nose in front of six new Crutchfield employees or not? Maybe will. Maybe won't. Probably won't. Um, but uh, But there you go. I think that's all I got. Thanks for listening to uh, yet another episode of Three Things with JR. Oh, there is another thing. I got it right here in front of me, and I can't believe I almost forgot it. Um, uh, As as you probably know, if you've been listening to this show, uh, I'm currently in the middle of rehearsing for The Sound of Music. The musical being put on by Shannon Arts uh, in Stanton. Those, uh, Those rehearsals are... I've got a kind of a small part. I'm playing a Nazi, but I'm not in most of the scenes. I've got kind of like three scenes. So I haven't need, I haven't been needed for most of these rehearsals, but I have been able to see videos of each rehearsal, uh, which because we have like a private Facebook group. So I've been able to keep up with the progress of all of the other actors singing and dancing and uh, acting and getting ready, getting their parts ready. And I got to tell you, I'm pretty excited. Uh, this show is going to totally do the sound of music justice uh the performances that i've uh that i've seen from rehearsals so far tell me that you should go get a ticket and now's a great time because tickets are now available go to shannonarts.org there will be a link in the show notes for this episode Uh, i'll put a link in the facebook post when i put that out there but you might already know that if you're listening to this anyway go get your tickets now uh the shannon arts theater is not huge and they they typically sell out big shows like this uh so go get tickets go get uh go get good seats because you're gonna not want to miss the sound of music uh, the musical, it plays in the middle two weekends in March coming up here. Uh, but even more exciting than that, my, the character I'm playing doesn't have any songs, right? So I'm not uh, really singing in this show. However, we at Shannon Arts are putting on a benefit concert uh, Friday night, February 3rd uh, at Shannon Arts. Uh, you can come see the cast of Sound of Music singing songs not really from The Sound of Music, but other songs by Rodgers and Hammerstein. They are the, 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 the two dudes that wrote The Sound of Music. It was their last musical that they collaborated on. Uh, but they did 12 other shows, uh, or 11 or 12 other shows. And so we are all picking songs from their other shows to sing at a benefit concert. And I believe Kiki is going to join me to do a duet of a song called Isn't It Kind of Fun from a musical called State Fair. I was not familiar with this musical or this song until I had this opportunity to pick one of uh, Rodgers and Hammerstein's songs uh, and prepare this little number. And Kiki and I have been uh, rehearsing it here at the house and are eagerly looking forward to uh, singing it live on stage uh, where it's, you know, we're doing a duet, but it's basically we're soloing these songs, uh, which is not necessarily my strength as a singer, but... 
Uh, this song is right in my vocal strength. Uh, the, you know, the key, uh, it's in a, there's notes I can hit is what I'm trying to say. And I'm pretty excited. And the song is a fun little duet. So come check that out if you're in the area, Friday, February 3rd. Uh, donate a little money to Shannon Arts so that uh, that organization support the arts because uh, they're putting on some pretty great productions. They're fun people to work with. None of them get paid to do what they do. The actors on the stage, the people running the theater, the actors, the directors, the lighters, the lighting people, the set deck dressers, uh, costumes, none of that. None of those people are paid a dime to run Shannon Arts. Uh, and putting on a show of sound, like Sound and Music is not cheap. So uh, come support the show, support the arts, see some great musical performances, uh, and then come see Sound and Music because you will not be sorry. All right, that's it. I'm over. I'm out. Uh, see you next. Uh, well, next week will be Small Things Considered, uh, and then the week after that we'll be back with another episode of Three Things with JR. Thanks for being a fan. Thanks for listening. Share this out to your friends and family. Let them know there's a cool podcast discussing uh, Guns and Roses, picking noses and what it's like to go back to work after having a crazy night of work dreams have a great one everybody we'll see you next time Turn the tables.